It's summertime, but we are not slowing down. We're here again. Yeah, 105. You know, I know you're going to name the studio, but I would call it the Imperial Highway Studio because that runs by the 105, that runs by Nash Street, that runs by TPSC. TSPC. TSPC. Uh, close, close. Yeah. <laughs> close. Well, I mean, you know, you haven't been to Ontario yet, or you've been one time. So, you know, I, I'm trying, yes. to, trying to help you get it all situated. So that's good. But yes, you know what? We could have named it the 105 Highway, but I didn't. Um, I opted to go a different direction instead. Because our guest today is Troy Bodie. He is basically mm-hmm. heading up the AHL team going in Palm Springs. We'll get to that. But he was teammates with DB, uh, the person that we're going with for the studio name today. So today we're coming to you from beautiful Southern California. It is a warm 90 degrees and lovely. And we're coming to you live from the Luke Shin Studios. DB, oh. this is recent enough times that you remember Luke Shin. That Luke Stanley Cup winner Luke Shin. I went to Tampa, got a ring. So, yeah, of course I remember Luke Shen. Not the, not the fleetest skater in the world, John, but some size and uh, a good depth guy who, who did get a ring in Tampa. Yeah, first round pick, fifth overall, obviously, by the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. And so that put a lot of expectations on him playing in Toronto. He played there for a of number course. of years, played with the Philadelphia Flyers, had a brief cup of coffee with the Los Angeles Kings. I thought he was serviceable, gave him some depth on the right side there in the mm-hmm. 2015-16 season. It looked like there was a possibility for him to come back for another year. But in fact, Arizona ended up offering him a deal. I think it was a two-year deal. And he signed there with the Coyotes. Had a very brief stop with the Anaheim Ducks. uh, Played, I think, eight or ten games there. And then also played for Vancouver for one year. And then, as you said, rounded out things with Tampa Bay. So he's still alive and kicking. 797 NHL games. And why Luke Shin? Well, he was teammates with our guest today, Troy Bodie. They were teammates back in the WHL with the Kelowna Rockets, and that was a loaded team that went to several Memorial Cups, and I'm sure that we'll talk with uh, with Troy Bodie about that. So that's the name of the studio. Uh, Dennis, from what I understand, it's, it's horse season. You have horses running just about every day right now. <laughs> Yes, actually, one's running today. Probably by the well, by the time this episode comes out, yes, Hillbilly Camtastic, my favorite, my only trotter, is running at Harris, Philadelphia, at around eleven thirty Pacific time. And then um, we have Frosted Oats running at Saratoga on Saturday. And there's another entry. I'm not. Sure, I don't even remember the name because I have so many horses at this point. It's going to be running at Del Mar in about ten days. So um, that's what we have on the horse docket right now. And then I'll be going to New York next weekend to see Dodgers and Mets for a couple of games. Maybe get a tour of UBS. So while it's TFP vacation time, John, we're still. You know, we're not sitting at home watching. Uh, you know, like CNBC eating uh, potato chips. 
No potato chips. Uh, by the way, no. we, we've uh, we've already covered red vines versus Twizzlers. Where do you land on the yeah. potato chips? What's your chip of choice? Ooh, that's tough. Um, I would say uh, um, the uh, Lay's potato chips. Oh, what do you got? Plain guy. All right, I I, yeah. I go cheddar and sour cream on the ruffles, or I like the spicy nacho Doritos. The problem with yes, the spicy yes. nacho Doritos is that I can eat like the whole bag, and yeah. it tastes so good when I'm doing it, and then like about 10 minutes later, then it's just like, oh, why did I just- Food regret. So, you know, I, I Food try, regret. Yeah, I try, to, I try to sort of ration out the, uh, the spicy nacho Doritos. And you have to wash your hands too, John. You, your hands get all messy is, and stuff. Yeah. That is the other thing too, yes. Your fingers end up looking like you belong on an episode of Dexter or something after you eat those. So <laughs> you have to stay away from those. That is, that is very true. Uh, a lot going on in the world of hockey, Dennis. Uh, you would think that yeah. things would be slowing down right about now, but they, they aren't. I, I was hoping that everything was going to go bang, 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 right? Expansion draft, NHL draft, sure. free agency, and then maybe take a couple of days or maybe even a week or two off. But that is not the case. The LA Kings, uh, in, in particular, Dennis, are still banging out contracts. So getting the RFAs yep. done, they're down to one RFA remaining. We'll get to that in a second. Earlier this week, Austin Strand inked a one-year deal. Uh, of course, that's a two-way deal, but it's a one-year deal that uh, keeps him in the fold. He's happy. He was qualified. And then we are recording this on Friday, DB, and uh, Kale Clegg just uh, inked his new deal. He'll be back in the fold for one more year. Yeah, so they, they dodged a bullet. Some believe that they dodged a bullet with respect to the expansion draft with uh, Seattle clicking Curtis McDermott. But, uh, again, I think um, Strand, Clegg, and Muvari will have to clear waivers, correct, John? They're all, none of them are waiver exempt, so we'll – there's a lot of there's not a lot of seats on the blue line, John. So something's going to have to figure out be figured out in training camp. So the Mavari one is interesting, Dennis, because uh, for what I understand, he had the opportunity and still does technically because he hasn't put ink to paper yet on his new deal with the LA Kings. But he had the opportunity to go back overseas and play in Europe and potentially make more money than he uh, would have if he stayed here in North America. So he came in last year with the Ontario Reign. He made his professional debut here in the AHL and was arguably their best defenseman and certainly was their best defenseman late down the stretch. And um, it looks like he is going to sign for another year. Uh, according to my sources, I tweeted this out yesterday. It looks like Mavari is going to return. So I would imagine now with the Strand announcement already made and with the Clegg announcement already made, the next one that we can probably look forward to would be a contract extension for Jacob Bavari. It will be interesting if it's going to be a one-year deal or a multi-year deal. I know the organization was certainly impressed with him, um, but like you said, Dennis, he is out of waivers, and you have to figure that he doesn't plan. He doesn't fit into the LA Kings NHL plans this year. Uh, he, he would be in AHL Ontario, but not sure where it would go from there, Dennis. No, nor do I, John. It's a it depends if you're the best defenseman on Ontario, but you're signing, you know, you're bringing guys like Alex Edler. It, it remains to be seen what, like they said, there's just not enough spots on the big club. So does he get claimed? Does he go back to Europe? So there's a couple of options here that uh, we'll probably find out uh, in late September. All right. So with, with that out of the way, uh, and we'll assume that the Mavari deal is going to be announced soon. So with that out of the way, really, the L.A. Kings can turn their attention to next year, Dennis. And let me just read off a list of names to you. And I'm going to do it in, a, in, in three groups, OK, because they have a laundry list of contract work to get done between yeah. now and really next summer. OK, uh, among the UFAs, you have Cal Peterson will be an unrestricted free agent next summer. Dustin Brown will be an unrestricted free agent next summer. And Double A will be an unrestricted free agent next summer. Remember, he signed a one-year kind of a show-me, prove-it-to-me contract. 
I'm going to loop back on those UFAs in a minute. I want to give you the rest of the names just so we know what we're setting the table with. Among the RFA group, guys that have arbitration rights, you're talking about Adrian Kempe, uh, Brendan Lemieux, and uh, also Carl Grundstrom. They would all have arbitration rights. So if they're qualified and they can't work out a deal, the two sides would need to go to arbitration. I really doubt that happens, but I'm just mentioning it because they do have mm -hmm. the ARB rights. Then after that, you have a slew of RFAs. You have Gabe Velarde coming off of his entry-level deal. He was he would be an RFA. Blake Lazat, he would be an RFA. Both Andersons, Mikey Anderson, RFA. Elias Anderson, RFA. You have Tikachev, who's a wild card in all of this. We don't know what he's going to do sure. with the LA Kings this year. He's going to be an RFA. You have Jared Anderson Dolan. He's going to be an RFA. Plus, you have Dersey, Phillips, uh, Strand, because he just signed that one-year deal, and the goaltender, Matt Valalta. So we can get to some of those later names, but I do want to give you a little bit of news, uh, DB, related to the top name I mentioned, or the first name, Cal Peterson. From what I understand uh, and from what I'm sort of getting getting a sense of, DB, or my opinion maybe, we'll, mm -hmm. uh, we'll blend them all together. I think Cal Peterson is going to be inking a four- to five-year deal most likely before the season opens, which would be great because it would put that distraction – behind them yes I, I i'd like to i'd like to think that both sides want to get a deal done before the season starts because you don't want that hanging over cal's head it's enough of a of a challenge right now to wrestle the starting job away from jonathan quick you also don't want the contract situation looming in the background no totally agreed he can be coming comfortable knowing that he's he's the guy right and there's still until he signs that contract and it's questions, right? I mean, it, it's people are going to say, oh, he's, he's unrestricted at the end of the year. What's going on? If they have faith in him and he's the guy, then you're going to get that deal done. And uh, exactly. And and you want all this stuff done, John, by the time. You know, this is a, a pivotal season for this team. You want the contract stuff set aside. Like, you don't want these conversations to happen, um, especially with your goaltender of the future, in quotes. I'll put it in quotes for right now. But, uh, yeah, I think getting that one done is probably the key of all of them. So then we get to the next name on the list among those UFAs because we can skip over double A. We know that really they're not going to ink him to another deal at this point. I would say the earliest that double A would get a contract extension would be in 2022, probably close close to the trade deadline because you'd want a sense of what's going to happen with double A, right? Do you like him enough to want to sign him right. to a multi-year deal or to an extension? Or if not, do you want to go ahead and flip him and then open up an opportunity for one of the kids to slide in at forward? So that leads us to Dustin Brown. He's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. You have to think that Dustin Brown is not going anywhere. You have to think they're not going to trade him at the trade deadline. You have to think that he's not going to sign with another team at the end of the year and go the Corey Perry route. You have to think that if Dustin Brown is going to continue his career after this season, he's going to sign with the LA Kings. That would be my estimation of the situation. Would you like to see them get an extension done early? Or do you think this is one of those situations where you just let it play out throughout the season and then you circle back at the beginning or at the uh, the beginning of the summer, I guess, next year. And then you decide what you and what Brown want to do. Yeah. Well, if you believe your take on he's not going anywhere else, then unless you can agree to the number right now, I think you'll wait. Because here's the thing, John. If he if he scored five goals last year, I'd say, okay, you, he scored 17. Like, how are you going to pay this guy? If he puts up 25 or 30 goals this year for a which team that should be better – and what the num what's the number there? So I think you have to wait and see. If, if there is some regression, then you do it. I, I agree with you that he doesn't want to play anywhere else. But, John, here's the other thing. If he scores 25, now he has value to other teams. You know, with a team in, 
in his home state of New York be interested. So I think that there's some risk involved because if he if – he, and his production was what? Equal to about 40 goals last year. I don't think he's going to do that over 82 games. I, I think you have to wait and see. I think you have to believe that he doesn't want to go anywhere else. He wants to retire a king. Uh, but you would, you may have to pay the price on that. Now, the, the fortunate thing is you mentioned all the, all, the, all the RFAs. Like, nobody's in line for a big payday, John. Even if Gabe Velarde, like, you know, changes course and has a huge uh, uh, season this year, like, you don't have to extend him and pay him $9.25 million like you paid Darnell Nurse in Edmonton. So I think that there's safety with respect to you look at who is an RFA. And even, even the great thing about um, – what Jeff Solomon did with the uh, Adrian Kempe deal, and he's coming from $2 million. So even if he has a big year, you're not going to give him a $4 million a year raise to six. So I think that, that I think there's safety with respect to the number if Dustin produces that you can, um, you're, you're going to get, your RFAs aren't going to be demanding a lot of money short of somebody really blowing up big time this year. Well, I'm not sure I agree with the Kempe take there because he does have Arbrights. And so if he somehow found a way of Kempe, that is, found a way onto the top line and maybe he produced 35 goals this year, you could have to pay him on a one-year deal a substantial amount. Okay. Uh, I'd I'd write the check if he scores 35 goals. If he goes to that plateau, John, (laughs) I'm fine with it. Like, so, you know, it's like, okay. Okay. Yeah, thirty-five goals, six million, sure. Tomorrow, so but but I, again, I I think that none of these kids right now they're just not putting up the numbers that's going to demand a, a Kale McCarr or or a back in the day Patrick Laine or something like that. So I, I think there's safety there. So I think you can you can risk having to pay Dustin Moore if he does produce uh, on a one-year deal. And I think John, you go one-year deals. I mean, he's going to be what thirty-seven years yeah. old next season. So I think that's what you do. So there's a little bit of risk involved, but again, he's not going to be another ten million dollar player. He might have to stay at the five-two or the five, whatever his hit is right now, if he does give us another season like last season. Yeah, I think uh, I, I was getting hung up there on the wrong point, though, DB, because the 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 larger point that you were making, I would agree with you that basically once you get the Cal Peterson contract out of the way, after that there shouldn't be a lot of heavy lifting in terms of dollars and term. There's a lot of lifting to do because there are so many names, like I rattled off a moment ago. But you put the Cal Peterson contract to the side. um, Double A, what's he going to get? At best, he's getting a bridge deal. He's not getting a long-term deal uh, because, again, he would end up serving as a blocker for the kids. Kempe, yeah, yeah, he's an RFA with Arbrights, but he's also coming off a low number. Like you said, he most likely would get a bridge-type deal that wouldn't be too significant. Lemieux, you don't have to worry about. Grunstrom, you don't have to worry about. Lazat, you don't have to worry about. Uh, Tikachev, you don't have to worry about. Jod, you don't have to worry about. Dersey, Phillips, Balalta, you don't have to worry about, which only then circles you back to, besides Kempe, it gets you to the Velarde deal, and then maybe the Mikey Anderson and the Leas Anderson deals. And again, you could probably do bridge deals on those guys coming out of yeah. uh, their RFA contracts. They don't even have Arbrights that are available. So sure. even a monster year from Velarde, you're probably talking about a two-year bridge deal that wouldn't be backbreaking. So there are a lot of options there. I tell you, I, I didn't, I, I, my, my brain wasn't processing though, when you were saying Dustin Brown in a different uniform, I just can't imagine him skating for a, another team. It just, it just, uh, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me, Dennis. I think that with everything that has gone down in LA to, and, and, and to get him back to this point, he's the King of Kings. Mm-hmm. That's what the fans voted him. Uh, what two summers sure. ago, Dennis, on right. mayorsmanner.com. I, I just, I can't imagine. It's not the same thing as Corey Perry leaving and going somewhere else. You can't compare the two, in my opinion. 
Oh, well, Corey Perry got bored out, so the team didn't want him. The only thing, the only X factor here, John, is that, you know, Dustin Nicole's home base is in New York State. So if they, if, if something couldn't be worked out or he thought his, he was worth more, like to be closer to their true home base in New York, that could be a factor. I'm not saying it is. I, I think that, you know, despite what happened when he lost the sea, he still loves the organization. He's very comfortable here. The team is on the rise. So, yes, I would think that that will wait. I, I just wouldn't say – like, I can't, at a point, when I see Corey Perry now in Tampa, I can never say never about anybody. I really can't. Now, now yeah. look, uh, Getzlaff stayed home, so there's one option. Uh, but I can never say never. I would think that, yes, if everything went well and the team improved and he produced, I, I think the first, and I know they, they just bought a beautiful, they just built a beautiful new house in Manhattan Beach, so they probably want to use that as well. But I think the one mitigating factor is if they can't get the right number, I think the East Coast looks attractive to the family. Well, I would say that uh, they probably have had some conversations along these lines or at least some reassurances. They just protected the player in the expansion draft. Uh, yep. You mentioned home base Great being point. here. Let the kids finish up school, and then you can get back to New York. So I'm sure they'll <laughs> come up with a manageable number. But we uh, we can move on, Dennis. That's a quick outlook of, of what's available or what's coming, I should say, on the contract front. Look for the Cal Peterson deal to get done first. I think that's the first domino in many of the other dominoes. Uh, that will take place over the next 12 months from a contract perspective. And I would expect that Cal Peterson deal to come sooner rather than later. But DB, uh, before we turn the page here and get to the second period, we do have Troy Bodie waiting on the other side, and we'll talk all about the AHL and Palm Springs. I do just want to make uh, some sort of quick announcement here. In the last episode and a couple episodes prior to that, we were chirping a couple of fans who have been giving us a hard time on Twitter. Uh, and... Uh, it, it was it was brought to my attention by a fan who was like, hey, you know, man, you were chirping the fans, this and that. Let me make this very clear, Dennis. I, I think that we say it uh, enough, but maybe we don't. Um, we say it probably at the end of every, every episode, it, it feels like. And if we don't say it enough, let me say it now. Dennis, I think I speak for you as well. We love the fans. 98, maybe even 99% of the fans, the listeners are amazing. We appreciate the interactions. It's only those 1% of the fans out there that just really drive us up a wall. Is that a fair statement? Totally fair. The support, and John, you've seen the numbers with respect to downloads and listens, and it's been the last three to four months, it's been, we've been in the top 20 with respect to Apple Podcasts. This is talking about like hockey in uh, podcasts in the U.S. So of course, like we appreciate that. And I always say like, we're nowhere without the fans. Like we could talk to the wall, there were no yeah. fans and nobody would listen. So yeah, but there are some people like we're human beings as well, John. Like we, you know, we take, I think what it is is, you know, what it is, John, we take pride in our work. We joke around, you and I chirp each other all the time. I think now less on Twitter than ever before, because I think we're in agreement on, on, on direction and things of that nature. But you know, we are human beings. We take pride in our work. And, and, and I think it's the, the, the fact that people disrespect our work at times. I think that's what gets us going. I know that you had a little, you know, a little um, incident like last week or so where you, you took offense to somebody saying that you're not right 100% of the time. We love our fans. We are nowhere without the support. Um, but give us a break as well, right? I mean, you know, be, we love conversations. John. I mean, back and forth, the give and take, Absolutely. right? right? It's, it's a matter of opinion at this point, especially in a pivotal time like this for the team. But it doesn't mean that we – I try to respect everybody. And, and you know what? I don't even block people. I just mute them at this point in time. So with respect to that, I get it. Like, do we call out fans once in a while? Yeah. With the, and, John, it's not the 99%. It's not like our take is everybody sucks and we know everything. It's like, no, you know what? You're a fool and you don't really know that much. And it's your opinion and you're entitled to it. 
But it's just, you know, and it's, some people just like will not give it up either. Like they'll just hammer away and hammer that's away, the and, part and then it becomes me. that's the part yeah. that gets me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it becomes an annoyance. Yeah, that's the part that gets right? me. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's that, the that's last it. minute they, of play. They the have their yet. take, and you you rebut it. You give them the information that they are lacking, right? right? And and you're polite about it in the very beginning and saying, look read this article or listen to this episode or whatever, where, you know, we sure. broke it down in detail. We provided the information because you, you appear to only have 60% of the information. We're trying to fill in the cracks for you, but to then not even bother to read or listen or educate, and then to continue to hound on that original point, that's where it becomes difficult. Yeah. So I just, look, I don't, I don't want to give any more of those people uh, any more attention than we already have. I want to, again, just state what I said to start with. And that is that, 98 to 99% of our listeners and our readers and the, the general hockey community as a whole, hockey Twitter, whatever you want to call it, man, we love you guys. You guys are rabid, rabid fans. You, you, you just, you have, you create great conversation. Um, you're funny. You make us laugh. I can't even tell you the number of times throughout the day that Dennis will tweet me or all, or excuse me, Dennis will text me a tweet or I'll text him a tweet. Hey, did you see this? Oh my God, this is funny. Like, we love we love it. We just absolutely love it. We get we we feed yep. off of it. Absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. All Jim. right, all right. Well, I'm glad that we agree on that, Dennis. Let's take a quick break. On the other side, former NHL player Troy Bodie will join us. We'll talk all about the AHL and Palm Springs and how it even connects back to the Ontario Reign as well. More with him after the break. Welcome back, Kings of the Podcast, second period. Now, this time around, this is a very interesting guest for us because we have a lot of people from the you know player side of things, prospect side of things, and, and general management side of things. But here, this is something new. The Seattle Kraken, NHL's uh, newest team, they're opening up their AHL affiliate coming soon to the Palm Springs, Coachella Valley area. And uh, they brought in Troy Bodie, former NHL player, to head up the whole project. We're going to talk about that. But, uh, Troy, how you doing? Doing well, thanks. Thanks. How you doing? I'm doing well. I appreciate you finding time. Uh, it's been interesting to try to get you booked and, and on the program and going through all the necessary uh, red tape through the Seattle Kraken. They certainly have been busy recently, you know, with the expansion draft. And that's kind of where I want to start. I'm just curious. It's probably felt like you've been in this holding pattern, I'm guessing, for quite some time. I mean, I know the paychecks are coming in, the paychecks are real, but it didn't feel, I'm guessing, like a real job because you weren't really part of like a real team yet. But then... The expansion draft happens. The jerseys are out there. There's all this buzz about the Seattle Kraken. I know you're working on the AHL side, but is the whole experience more real now than it was just 30 days ago? Yeah, you know, it's, it's certainly a different pace leading up to everything. Um, you know, kind of, you know, just you know, scouting and, and watching games kind of with the thoughts toward the expansion draft and, and whatnot, but really not having any players in the system outside of our first signee, um, Luke Henman, who, um, uh, you know, was earlier in, in a junior age player. Um, 
But you know, other than that, it, it was kind of just we we're almost sitting on the sidelines, and it's very interesting you know, dynamic which I've never really been a part of. And and uh, now that we've kind of gotten through the expansion draft, through the entry draft, and kind of well into to free agency, it's been um, it's starting to take shape now. Now we feel like we're in the game here. Yeah, for sure. Now, I have always personally been interested in the AHL West uh, story, Pacific Division as I call it, because on Mayor's Manor, we broke the story way back in the day that the Kings were one of the original group of teams that were moving from the East Coast, coming to the AHL West, and I've, I've followed the the migration of all these different organizations in San Jose and what they've done in Anaheim and their success in San Diego, and now to be able to put this new team in Palm Springs Super pumped and excited about it. Want to talk more about the whole Palm Springs thing and your role and how it's all coming together. But I also like to give our listeners a, a little bit of foundation. And for people that maybe don't know or want to go down memory lane with you, uh, you had an interesting career. You won a Memorial Cup in 2004. I think you went back to the, to the Cup in uh, 20, 2005. Uh, you were selected in the ninth round of the NHL draft, a round that doesn't even exist anymore. You spent time in ECHL Stockton. Um, you scouted in the American League level, and I'm just curious. You made so many stops at the AHL level, Hamilton, Springfield, Iowa, San Antonio, et cetera. How did all of those experiences help you to become where you are now? And also maybe how did all of those stops hurt you, if at all they did? Yeah, I don't know if any of them really, I, I'd say, hurt. Um, but, you know, there's always a, you know, every every stop that you make has a, has a different story and a different kind of learning opportunity. You know, I had a lot of success in junior, as you mentioned. Um, my first year in, in the league, we won the league, went to the Memorial Cup. Next year, hosted it and ended up losing and and then winning the Memorial Cup, as, you know, getting a, um, a free berth to the tournament. Next year, again, winning the league, going to the, the Memorial Cup tournament. So we were actually there three years in a row. And I kind of just thought, wow, this is easy stuff. We're just going <laughs> to kind of march to the finals every single year. And then didn't quite have that success in, in pro. But, you know, there was um, there's a lot of a lot of stops in, in pro hockey and on the way to the uh, to the NHL. And and then even some some bumps in the road along that process. But they all kind of have, like I said, their their learning curves, learning experiences. And it takes kind of a strong mind, I guess, to to understand that and realize it's part of the process and and um, kind of take it all in, in stride and, and learn from it all. Yeah. At, at any point, I always like to ask players this question when they've made so many stops along the way. At any point or at some point along the way, I'm guessing, there was where the headaches were just too much and you're just like, why am I dealing with this? It's just like I'm, I'm on the wrong career path. Maybe it's time to just go, you know, get a job, I don't know, at the local insurance company or something. Uh, and that never crossed my mind. I'll say that. And it's, it's funny for all the stops that I made, I was ne I wasn't in that many organizations. It was a lot of it was, you know, you know, my first year with, you know, signing with the Edmonton Oilers. And then they had, they had a, uh, they had a split affiliation agreement. So they didn't have enough players. So I got kind of down to the, the ECHL level. And then, um, the next year they, they got their own affiliate. So we actually moved teams there. And then, you know, when I was with Anaheim, we had one year in, in Iowa and then they lost that affiliation. So we had a split affiliation, which we, in San Antonio and we weren't playing that much, I actually moved to another, you know, it was, it was a bunch of different situations like that where the actual team moved their, uh, their affiliate. And therefore I was on the move, but it was, 
it was kind of like, okay, this is just where I've got to go rather than, you know, getting traded or, or sent away or, or anything like that. It was kind of just like, okay, well, this is where we're playing next year. And <laughs> it was, it was kind of a, you know, I, I kind of envied all these guys that, you know, were either with the same organization, just either up or down in same cities for, you know, several years on their journey. And I was just, you know, packing up my car every year and, and moving along. But that's that's just part of it. And I really enjoyed my time and got to see a bunch of different cities and different coaches and and um, teammates and that. And it was, uh, I, I've, as much as that didn't, didn't cross my mind, maybe it, maybe it led to kind of my early exit from, from my playing days. Well, it sounds uh, much more palatable than maybe the experience of some other people and, and the kids coming up in the AHL Pacific division now and in future years, they really won't have those experiences per se, because, you know, they will spend a lot of time growing up in Ontario and then become members of the LA Kings or in Anaheim and becoming members of the Ducks. Uh, and, and for that matter, growing up in Palm Springs and eventually making it to the Seattle Kraken. Uh, before we get to the AHL, to the good stuff, I do want to ask you about a couple of quick points from your career. You make your debut in uh, January of 2009. I believe it was at Pittsburgh. And then about a year later, you're with the Ducks organization. You score your first goal playing in L.A., coincidentally, against the L.A. Kings. What do you remember about that game? Uh, I think that that goal was maybe my third or fourth, actually. My first goal was against Calgary. went off my laces and in. And, and that's, um, I, as much as I got credit for it, I, I kind of pushed that one aside, too. So maybe that's, maybe that's why you think the L.A. goal was, was the first. But I actually scored off, off my laces and in, in, in Cal, or against Calgary one night. And then the very next night, scored like a game winner. Very nice, very nice shot. And, and I was like, why couldn't this be the night before when I, you know, or that, why couldn't this be the memory of the first NHL goal? But I do remember very vividly getting in, being in L.A., playing with the Ducks, um, you know, I think Ryan Getzlaff found me in the slot and I just kind of one-timed it over quick shoulder and, and, you know, Jonathan Quick was obviously one of the, the, the top goalies at the time there. So I was, I, I couldn't believe I, I, I had done it and it was kind of a big deal for me back then and heck still is, but, um, you know, I, uh, I remember that quite, you know, quite vividly, like just like it was yesterday. Yeah, it's uh, interesting because the two organizations appear to be on a collision course right now where uh, back in 2010, you had the Ducks just a couple years removed from winning a Stanley Cup. The Kings were on their rise on their way to the 2012 Cup. And right now, these two organizations, although they've had down years, they're they're in that rebuild mode. They're turning the page. They're looking forward in deep, deep prospect pools and could potentially be on a collision course again. But Seattle's going to play into the whole conversation at some point. Um, they need to build a team. They need to get a, a pool of prospects. Uh, that, If I understand things correctly, this year you guys will have an affiliate agreement with or some sort of a relationship if you have players to send. Uh, and that's going to tide you over for one year, right, before the team gets up and running in Palm Springs. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, we're we're partnering with the uh, Florida Panthers to share the affiliate with um, in in Charlotte. So the Charlotte Checkers is where we're going to house our, our our prospects uh, for this season while we get Palm Springs up and running. And it's and it works out well as you know the timing um, as you know with an upstart franchise, you just don't have those a lot of those prospects yet in the system. You know the the drafted players are still too young to. Um, you know, to, to play pro and then 
and then some of the players you draft in expansion are, are more or less in, you know, your National Hockey League players. But um, there'll be a few, you know, from expansion, and then a few that uh, will sign as, as depth players that'll end up making their way to Charlotte, and um, you know that'll kind of you know, start our our AHL um, uh, group down there. Yeah, and uh, I, I apologize in advance if this was announced and I missed it over the last couple of weeks. It's been a very dizzying couple of weeks with the expansion draft, the NHL draft, free agency, et cetera. But uh, from my notes, if I remember correctly, you guys, through that affiliation agreement or affiliate agreement, have the opportunity to put a an assistant coach, I believe, in Charlotte with the checkers. Has that already been announced who that's going to be or has a decision been made yet in that regard? A uh, decision has not been made in that in that regard. So you're, you're, you're okay. You haven't missed anything. We're... We're still working that out, but we will put a, a coach in there, and it'll and um, you know kind of help out their their coaching staff there, and and um, uh, yeah. So, where were your um, your specific duties? You have spent a lot of time scouting the American League Pacific Division, from what I understand. I mean, I know I've seen you a lot in Ontario, and I'm sure other arenas as well. But are you this coming year? Will you be spending? half the time, you know, in the Charlotte area, watching what's going on with that group, or you guys won't have enough prospects there or enough players there and that, you know, there's plenty of work to do in Palm Springs. Are you more here? What does your schedule look like as you look ahead to the 2021-22 season? I mean, that's a great question. It's still up in the air. I'll, I'll certainly be in, in Charlotte, but I'll be, you know, kind of scouting around this, you know, Southwest area and, and of course, getting the, um, the Palm Springs AHL uh, team off the ground so there's going to be as with every or any kind of upstart franchise like our, in, in Palm Springs there there's there's a lot of things to be done and probably a lot of things I don't even know yeah you know what has to be done yet so sure um, there will be some some scouting involved there'll be some time in Charlotte but um, you know I'll, I'll be doing whatever I can to get that team going in Palm Springs now, shovels are in the ground, or they were uh, recently. They broke ground on the new arena. Finally, there were some starts. There were some stops. The building's going to be here. It's going to be there. It's going to be over there. Nope. They finally picked a location. It's up and running. Shovels in the ground. Dirt's moving. Um, how exciting is that part of it to know, man, a brand new, sparkling new building uh, for your for your team? It's very exciting. I mean, you know, having played in the American Hockey League and, and you know, playing in several buildings around uh, around the country and you know to, to know that uh, this team's going to have a brand new building and like you said shovels are in the ground they're, they're starting to build and and um, you know it's almost envious of when I played of, of um, you know some of the you know, the facilities that, that uh, these kids are gonna gonna get to, to you know establish their careers in, in pro and you know we're, we plan to have a world-class um, uh, locker room, training facilities. Um, the arena will have a, a, a big game rink that will seat 10,000 mm -hmm. as well as a practice uh, rink attached to it. Um, it's something I, you know, uh, I never, I certainly never had when, when I played. It was usually put your gear on and jump on a bus and head over to the practice facility and, <laughs> and uh, just kind of get dressed in the, in the, in the hallway, put your, put your skates on type thing, go practice. And, you know, to have this, is, it's, it's going to be like an actual quality facility. So we're very excited yeah, just watching how it plays out here. And I know the, 
the whole Coachella Valley is excited to have a team to call their own and and have a, a world class hockey and concert venue there. So you set up my next question perfectly. Uh, I have been, it was originally the Palm Springs team. I have more recently started calling it the Coachella Valley Firebirds, considering that there seems to be an undercurrent movement uh, to represent the whole Coachella Valley. Uh, can, can you break any news for us here? Where, where are we out on the naming of the, uh, the team? Well, I think, yeah, you're jumping the gun a little bit there, but, um, you know, we, we haven't come to, uh, we haven't figured out the name yet, but we do. Uh, we we're certainly sensitive to the whole Coachella Valley, and and not just the the city of Palm Springs itself. There's there's uh, several communities there, and we want this this team to to be all of theirs um, uh, in one and kind of unite all those communities. So, um, you know, we'll we'll have um, more announcements coming out sooner sooner than later. But um, uh, but yeah, they're they're um, we hope to get that going soon. So by soon, just a ballpark. Are we say, are you saying that we could perhaps see a name of the team like in the next month or sometime in the next six months? I would say kind of in between there. Okay. Um, yeah, probably later on in, in 2021 here is when we plan on, on uh, getting that all figured out and unveiling that name and and really getting going here. Yeah, the people are pumped from, uh, I don't know if you're getting a sense of it, but from from the sense that I'm getting, the people in the Coachella Valley area are really excited, uh, like you said, not only to be able to get, uh, you know, a professional hockey team uh, that's part of the Seattle Kraken organization, which is, you know, they're the hottest thing in, in pro sports right now. The buzz is phenomenal. But even before this, this recent month-long buzz on the Kraken, the people out there in Coachella Valley really seem to be excited about this this new arena, this new team, and uh, what it's going to do for for that whole area. Yeah, there's a lot of excitement. You know, at the, when we were at the the groundbreaking there, and 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 just seeing the buzz, and you know, I, I think a lot of uh, a lot of people that have been there a while were kind of skeptical that this arena would get off the ground, and and uh, probably fueled that is the fact that it did change. Uh, locations there once, but I, I think there was you know, a few people that tried to put arenas in there in, in previous years, and they just didn't work out. And now this one's actually coming to fruition here. It's um, uh, people are very excited just to have something where they can go spend an evening and you know, watch a concert, watch a hockey game, and uh, and really have a, a pro team to rally around there. So. It's something we're, we're, we're excited and we feed off that excitement and um, it's fun to watch. Yeah, there's so much change that's coming as well. I mean, we talk about the AHL Pacific Division and those original group of teams that, that migrated out west, now five or six teams in California. Uh, the Pacific Division itself is getting a little bit bloated. So at some point, you know, I, I know you, you don't know, but somebody's going to have to make a decision uh, about potentially, you know, moving Colorado to another division or moving somebody uh, moving somebody around. But next year, I think it's going to be cool because not only the Co- Palm Springs slash Coachella Valley, don't know how we're supposed to refer to this team, but uh, next year, not only is that team going to be added in 2022, but the entire AHL is going to move to a uniform 72-game schedule. So... I'm I'm not personally sure why that was uh, such a point of angst for so many people, but apparently it was, and so thankfully, just one more year of the the unbalanced schedule, and then you guys will come in, and it's all due to you. You guys are ushering in the 72 game <laughs> uniform schedule, so congratulations on that. Yeah, thank you. I'll take full credit for uniforming this <laughs> the schedule like that. But uh, now, you know, it, it was always um, I, I know there's there's reasons of of playing 
you know, different schedules and, and whatnot. And, you know, there's probably more to that story than I have the answers to, but, um, it will be, it will be interesting to get, uh, exciting to get, um, the team in and, and, and playing. And, you know, there's just, it, we've got such a great division down here with the, the Pacific AHL division. And, you know, these teams are doing so well and, and, and just to jump in and kind of piggyback that success is exciting. And, um, whatever the league does with the divisions is, is, uh, their decision. And, you know, we'll help out in any way we can, but, um, but uh, no, it, it'll be it'll be good to get the the league on on par with the with the games played. Yeah, and you know, uh, I mean, you guys have your hands full already trying to get the arena done, come up with the team name, et cetera. But in the out years, there should be some even I'll say the potential to have some more fun out there uh, in the Coachella Valley. For example, the NHL Rookie Faceoff Tournament which has been just wildly successful over the last couple of years. I'm, I'm sure that you were there. I'm assuming that you were. The, the first tournament that took place in Las Vegas a couple of years ago sold out games, the six teams that were involved. Um, then you had that, te- that, that tournament moving to Irvine uh, at their brand-new facility. And, again, another wildly successful tournament. Unfortunately, it didn't happen last year. It's moving to Arizona in September, mid-September of this year. Sounds like plans are underway for it to be held in San Jose, uh, the year after, so that would be 2022, and then LA is looking to host it the year after that. So by the time that Coachella Valley can host it, you guys will have been in your home for a couple of years. You had all the, will have had all the kinks worked out. There's a great opportunity for you guys to host that tournament. Well, we're open to to anything there. We you know we've got the two sheets there. It's going to be um, a brand new world class facility. We'd be happy to to host that if um, if that's the case. You know, I've I've been to all those tournaments over the years and they've done a great job and it's great great chance to really show all the young rookies and and prospects in the game and you know that's something i'd certainly love to bring to the to the palm springs community coachella valley and um and uh if, if we're lucky enough to host that that'd be great yeah and you know fans i think uh in the southern california market have to be excited about another team potentially another opportunity to bring marquee events to palm springs as well again not putting you on the spot and asking if it's going to happen just (laughs) just making reference to the fact that the ahl all-star game uh was held in ontario and you know when you get a brand new building and you want to show it off there's an opportunity in in future years at some point i know the next couple are already scheduled but uh, just again, exciting times because you're not only getting a team in that area, but the potential to host an all-star game or to host other events uh, like we talked about with the rookie showcase is so exciting. Um, I'm curious, uh, you, you've scouted at the American League level for a number of years, as we were talking about earlier. What's the hardest part? What's the biggest challenge when it comes to being a scout in the American League? Uh, you know, I don't know if there's really a kind of the hardest part that, you know, everything, you know, like I mentioned earlier with my, my playing career, everything is, you know, everything that has its challenges and, and, and whatnot, but, um, you know, you're, you're dealing with young players that are coming out of you know junior hockey or over from Europe. And, you know, I, I, I guess maybe the most difficult thing about maybe scouting is, is these are a lot of young men that are coming from, uh, different different walks of life and kind of integrating themselves into pro hockey for the first time often and and um, you know I kind of feel for the players you know as I was there at one point you know you're not just trying to make the NHL you're trying to learn how to live on your own and 
you know, and, and kind of balancing adult life and, and that kind of plays into things. And at the same time, I'm, you know, people like me are up there, you know, uh, judging them based on their hockey ability when kind of, you never know what's, what's going on behind the scenes and, and that. So um, I, I think I, that's probably the most difficult part is kind of, you know, figuring out, you know, you know, obviously my job is to figure out whether they can be NHL hockey players or not, but you're just, there's always things behind the scenes that um, perhaps you just don't see. So does that make this job even more intriguing for you? Because instead of just being a scout and sort of being on the, the peripheral to a certain extent, right? Because you, you don't have an opportunity, I'm guessing or assuming to really get to know players on a personal level, but in your new role uh, that you're in now, you, you really know more than just what they're doing on the ice. You know all the inner workings of what's going on in their, their personal life and what they're dealing with and you're helping them and you're mentoring them and you're sharing your life experiences. I would imagine that this that, that's probably a pretty, pretty exciting or, or pretty uh, enticing aspect of this new role. Am I wrong there? No, not at all. It, it's, you know, it, it's very exciting having walked in those shoes and, you know, can be able to relate with those, the, the players walking in kind of, you know, right eyed and bushy tailed, but at the same time, you know, kind of figuring out that, that chapter of their life. And, you know, I've, I've been there and, you know, can kind of help walk them through it. And, you know, at the same time, you know, you got to, got to figure out how much you do, do want to help them and how much you want them to figure it out on their own. But um, at the same time, you're, you know, I think we have the duty to these players to, to help them get to the NHL level, but also kind of shape their, their, their lives and careers that, you know, maybe outside of hockey as well. And, you know, that's something, you know, I've had great mentors and, and coaches along the way that have done so. And, you know, hopefully, you know, I could be that and you know, our, our organization you know, as a whole can be that to these players. All right, Troy. So now comes the truth serum. You mentioned those coaches and and mentors and all those teammates that you had through the years as well. How many of your your friends have called you uh, since the announcement was made about you taking over and tried to hint around about seeing if the you know they, you have any job openings for them? Uh, yeah, no. There's, there's. I've gotten a few phone calls and <laughs> and uh, it's probably just as many about jobs as, as I have about um, uh, you know uh, you know friends and scouts and executives wondering if uh, there's going to be golf set up there. So I tell them, this is, tell them I'm going to be all business there. And, you know, this is a, this is a hockey team. We're there to, we're there to play hockey, but no, it's, it's, there's a lot of excitement. Every, you know, there's a lot of people that want to kind of join not only Palm Springs, but the Seattle Kraken. There's got a lot of exciting things going on with, um, with both entities. And, you know, it's uh, certainly exciting times. Yeah, for sure. And we appreciate you coming on today here, Troy, and, you know, helping explain the story of what's happening out there, putting an American Hockey League team uh, in Palm Springs, in Coachella Valley. And uh, I guess one quick one here, to, just to wrap up, would be, uh, you know, what's next for Palm Springs? Where do you go? We've already made reference to the fact that you are going to have a, you'll have an, a shared affiliate agreement uh, and, and that the Palm Springs team debuts and wow, what, I guess it's about 14 months from now, but have you studied other expansion teams, other new teams? What have you learned from them? Uh, what, what's, what's next for Palm Springs at this point besides the, the name announcement in a couple of months? Yeah, that'll be the, the big announcement there, you know, just to really kind of, you know, give a face to the team, I, I guess, you know, with a, you know, 
a name, a logo, all that. You know, I wouldn't say I've too much stock in what other teams have done. We kind of would like to be our own, our own team, and, and you know, at the same time, and you know, I'll certainly take any advice from anyone around the league, and especially in this specific division that had, that's had such great success. But that'll be kind of the next project for me as I get on the road and and, and get some of these buildings and kind of uh, meet some of the people around um, uh, around the business side, the hockey side, and and go from there. But you know, we're we're just excited to get this building built and. You know, if, um, and then uh, then go from there. All right, Troy. I will not be looking to book a golf uh, outing with you, but I do look forward to seeing you uh, in Ontario and in San Diego and in some of these buildings in the build-up to uh, to getting Palm Springs up and running. And after the name is released in a couple of months, I'll have you back on, and then you can tell me whether I was right, whether I was close, or whether I was way off base uh, on the on the name. So we look forward to it. But thanks for stopping by. Thanks for talking about the new organization. Congratulations on your your new role, and uh, look forward to seeing how the whole thing plays out. Fantastic. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. All right. Troy Bodie. We will be back after the break. We'll talk more about that and uh, check in on some other news. There's a lightning strike coming over me. There's a heavy sky underneath my feet. I back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. All right, Kings of the Podcast, third period, welcome back. And uh, we had some fun there with Troy Bodie taking a trip down memory lane, talking about his playing days, and at the same time, looking forward, what's to come here? So in one more year, there will be another AHL Pacific Division team out in Palm Springs, or Dennis, I believe it's going to be the Coachella Valley team. He wouldn't, he wouldn't give it up, but I think that's the direction <laughs> that they're going yeah, and Coachella's got a great brand name, so why not? I think Palm Springs, what do you, you – when you think of Palm Springs, think about, you know, old guys like me. Coachella's more hip, so, yeah, I would think it would be, from a branding standpoint, for sure, Coachella Valley sounds a lot more hip. I think it's also more inclusive because, as he was referring to there, you have Palm Springs, you have right. Palm Desert, you have all those little pockets. Like, to the people that don't live there, like, like the two of us, we just refer to that whole area as Palm Springs. But mm-hmm. I'm sure if you live there – like in any in any area, right? DB sure. people become very territorial. Of like, course. you know, we just say we live in Los Angeles when we're traveling, but to us, we know there's like, you know, Hollywood, there's the valley, there's you know, the South Bay. Like LA is 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 very you know, it's very large. <laughs> it's not just LA proper. So to say Coachella Valley is more inclusive to all the people in the desert, I think they're going Coachella Valley. And I yeah. think it's Firebirds. That's the last I heard. I hadn't haven't heard anything new over the last couple of months, but who knows? The pandemic caused people to do crazy things. Maybe they're going to change and they're going to be called The Sun. I don't particularly like that name because there's a newspaper out there and I wouldn't want to have the newspaper and the hockey team to have the same name. So that doesn't yeah. make sense to me. And the Dragons doesn't really make sense, but maybe because you went with the mythical creature for your parent club with the Kraken, maybe you want to stick mm. with that team and you want to go with the Dragons. Uh, I don't know. 
Where do you where do you stand on the naming? Uh, it, it doesn't really matter to you, right, Dennis? Because it's it's even further out than Ontario. Oh yeah, it's further out than it's further out than Ontario. But you know, you're king of branding, so I get the connection between the Kraken and Dragons. That does make sense. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go Coachella Valley Firebirds until I hear otherwise. Uh, speaking of the uh, prospects and the younger players that are hoping to make a way their way in the NHL, Dennis, I've tweeted this a couple times. Just want to make sure that everybody knows the rookie faceoff tournament is a go. It's set. It's going to be happening in Arizona again. That was originally set to be hosted by Arizona last season, but of course canceled due to the pandemic. So they're going to host it. It's going to be over the weekend of September 18th. The dates are tentatively September 17th to the 20th or the 21st. Uh, there should be six teams. They have five confirmed. From what I understand, they're waiting for Colorado for some reason to sign on as the sixth team. Uh, you can't have Seattle yet as the sixth team because they don't have enough players to form the Palm Springs group yet or even ha have them represent as the Seattle Kraken. Because in that tournament, Dennis, they do wear the NHL uh, jerseys. Right. I pointed this out before that Arthur Kaliev scored his first goal in a Kings jersey uh, at that tournament when it was held in Anaheim. So a great tournament in Vegas. Another great tournament then in Arizona. Now the third version of it will be held in Arizona. The fourth version will be next year, 2022, in San Jose. And then the fifth version will be the following year, 2023, uh, hopefully, um, at TSPC, which is, that, that's the rumor. And then uh, as Bodie told us, Palm Springs or Coachella Valley, they want to get on it. They'll have a new building and they want to get going and hopefully host that tournament as well. So as long as the tournament's not held in Stockton, I'm okay, Dan. <laughs> Amen, John. Amen. <laughs> I think I'll have to skip that year. If Stockton hosts yes. if Baco holds, hosts it, I, I, I still would go. It wouldn't be my preference, but I would go to Baco. And you would go I'm because you'd, you'd stay at the ranch house. We got another house out that way, John. You stay out in, <laughs> uh, in Keene. Exactly. Baco's an easy one for you. Right. Exactly. You got, you got free accommodations. Let's go. That was that was fantastic. We went out yes. and surveyed the property, and uh, we ate at that, that beautiful uh, what do you call that? It's, it's a the breakfast place. Oh, we're King here. Cafe. It's not a diner. Yeah, it's, okay, it's, it's a, a cafe. King, yeah, King a Cafe. A ranch, ranch house cafe. Yeah, we had a good time exactly. there. It was a lot of we fun. Did. And yeah. uh, we'll do that for sure. Uh, until you buy a house in Stockton, I'm, I'm going to have to pass <laughs> on the 209. Although I'll look up the Diaz brothers and see if they can if they can house me for the weekend. So that would be a good time. Uh, Dennis, a couple of other things here related to the AHL. They made an announcement yeah. this week that they are expanding their playoffs. And some fans are up in arms over this because they're going to five <laughs> rounds of the playoffs. As if four rounds aren't long enough, they're going to five rounds. Now, the good news is, DB, that in the NHL, when you're doing four rounds, it's four series with the best of seven in each round. And that's not the way the AHL playoffs are. Right. They're, they're kind of ramping into it. They're going with the best of three and then ramping into the best of five. And then eventually they end up with the best of seven for, I believe, the final two rounds. So 23 teams will uh, qualify for the AHL playoffs this coming season. And Dennis, seven Pacific Division teams will qualify, which is kind of cool because in a roundabout sort of way, it's going to be very similar to this playoff play-in tournament thing that they did mm -hmm. this year that I really liked. I thought it was kind of cool. So what they're going to do is the number one team in the Pacific is going to get a bye. And so the number one team is going okay. to advance directly to the second round. And then the other six teams to qualify for the playoffs are going to have essentially a best of three play-in. So that's going to be sure. kind of cool. Um, and, you know, that'll be, it'll be interesting to watch. 
Uh, and then five rounds. And like I said, you go from best of three to best of five and you ramp right. your way up and eventually someone's going to win the Calder Cup in the American Hockey League. So are you okay with that? Is that too many teams? Do, do you have a difference of opinion, Dennis, being that it's a development league versus, you know, the NHL doing that? Because I like the NHL the way it is. Yeah, I think from a development standpoint to have younger players play in postseason games where it's winner take all or one game elimination, I think that's fine. I'm calling up Bettman and Daly right now and telling them not to adopt this format for the NHL. Yeah. yeah, the NHL does have a tendency to uh, quietly, sometimes not so quietly, test things out in the American League and then right. eventually adopt them to the NHL. But I would agree with you if Gary and, and Bill can please not uh, expand <laughs> the NHL playoffs. We don't need the NHL playoffs expanded, Dennis, just like we didn't need interleague play. I like things the way they are, right? I, I, mm -hmm. I like that the National League and the American League and baseball only met in the World Series. That was super cool. Although it is nice yeah. when the Dodgers get to go to Fenway during the regular season, but I digress. Yeah. 16 teams, I don't care that they've expanded to 32 Agreed. in the NHL. 16 is enough. Half the team. You, you play 82 games to get into the playoffs, Dennis. Why do you need more teams in the playoffs? That's the purpose of the 82-game season. Yeah, I, I don't get it, John. I don't like these play-in best of three or one-game play-in because the team missed by two points. I don't get it. Like you said, you have more than enough racetrack to determine if you're a playoff team by playing 82 games. Yeah. All right. So uh, – DB, let's just uh, hit on a couple of other points here before we wrap up today. Uh, Jack Eichel, from what I understand, you have a Jack Eichel update. So this is not the consistent theme of the American Hockey League, but we we will hit on it. It's an important, timely topic, Dennis. What's yeah. going on in the world of Jack Eichel? Well, it's your least favorite subject on this podcast, but hopefully, John, I think by this weekend. Second, Jack Dennis, 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 okay. second, second least favorite. First okay. one would be Kovalchuk. He's already been okay. banned. Okay. Is set to be banned. I didn't know it was a ban on this. Okay, and now I know. I'm going to write that down. Kovalchuk man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that. It's on that. That's a, okay. Um, I didn't get the corrected email from one year to two or two years to one year. Um, it looks like Jack's going to wind up staying in New York State, but going south to Madison Square Garden. I, I think that that's what things are trending towards. You're probably looking at a deal. I assume Ryan Strom's going to be in the deal. Uh, they need a goalie because I think right now they got two 35-year-old goalies. I got to assume a guy like Georgiev was in the was would be in the deal as well. So so look for that to maybe culminate not today but maybe over the weekend. It looks like Jack's going to be hit, um, going to New York, and uh, that saga hopefully for all of us will be over uh, in the next 48 to 72 hours. And how many first-round picks do you predict are going to go in that deal? Is it, is it three first-round picks? Because I know Adams is asking for six or the equivalent of six first-rounders. Uh, but this is not necessarily a seller's market at this point. No, it's not, John, because of the injury factor and with the disconnection and the dysfunction between uh, the Sabres and Jack Eichel's camp. I'm interested to see what the final deal looks like. Like, and we've talked about this. The ask originally was two NHL players, a first and a prospect, or two prospects or two firsts. So I don't think it would be more than that at this point. I know there was a rumor out there that Buffalo is willing to retain $5 million on the deal, which would be nuts, which would certainly increase the take. So I, I think the central figures in the deal is going to be probably Ryan Strom and, and Georgie at the goaltender, and we'll see from there. So I, I don't think it's going to be the haul that everybody expect it would be for a player that – is technically still injured, and there's really no course to how you're going to fix the injury. All right, so we will look for that. We will look for the Cal Peterson contract. We'll look for the Jacob Mavari contract. We'll look for the Jack Eichel trade. And, Dennis, 
as we wrap up today, uh, here today, let me just let everybody know that the guest on our next Kings of the Podcast episode is scheduled to be Alex Edler. And there's a connection. You know, I love these connections. Of course. Edler and Troy Bodie actually played in the WHL together. They were on that loaded team that went to those Memorial Cups we were talking about earlier. So uh, his teammate from the WHL days, Troy Bodie's teammate, that is, Alex Edler. And Dennis, I don't believe... I, I'm thinking very quickly outside of guys that are on the LA Kings, which obviously are still teammates. I don't believe we've ever had two non LA Kings, former teammates guests as uh back-to-back guests here on the program. So that's an interesting link that we haven't crossed before. Agreed. We've had 105 episodes, but I don't think that's ever happened. You're right. Okay. So uh, while we, when we get off the air here today, I will pour through those uh, rockets rosters and I will find other guests and we'll just try to have as many of them on over the summer. I mentioned Luke Shen earlier. We can get him on the program as well. So we'll just, former King too. So we'll just keep going through all of the uh, former, former WHL teammates as we work our way through the summer. Dennis, great episode, a lot of fun. And uh, look forward to talking to you again too. Let's do it again, Jay. All right. There you go, everybody. Thank you to the fans. Thank you to the listeners. And we will talk to you soon.